Welcome, bet riders around the world. My name is Gary Solomon, and you're watching the Laidback Bike Report. It's awful nice to have you all with us today, guys. We have a wonderful show lined up for you today. Let me tell you what we have in store. Uh, first, uh, all the way from Romania, we have Jan Vinen with us uh, from Velomobile World. So we look forward to talking to Jan about everything to do with his manufacturing of Velomobiles. We're going to have a um, recumbent racing discussion with uh, Greg Ebert from the Arkansas Senior Games and Andy Hollinger, who runs the Texas State Championships at Fort Hood, uh, who are now accepting recumbents. And uh, so we're going to have a nice discussion with them and, of course, invite Doug Davis in on that discussion as well uh, as we continue to talk about um, amateur racing uh, recumbent style. So we look forward to doing that. And uh, our good friends from uh, Haza are with us today, David Black and Anya Vrida. And uh, they will be talking to us about uh, their wonderful Delta trikes. And uh, we're going to have an Ask Me Anything session. So you can already start thinking about it. If you have questions about any Delta trikes or Haza trikes uh, or bikes in, in particular, uh, get those into the uh, chat and uh, we will uh, bring those up to them and get you some answers. All right, so uh, my wonderful laid back bike report crew is usually behind the scenes. Let's bring them uh, up so everyone can see. Uh, we have, first of all, from Zaltzgitter, Germany, it's uh, my buddy Lars Kamm. Hello, Lars. Hi, folks. Good to have you with us again, Lars, uh, all the way out in Colorado Springs, han uh, handling the uh, banners. We have Larry Seidman. Hi, Larry. Happy Father's Day. And happy Father's Day to you and all the fathers out there. Thank you. Uh, and uh, down in Big D, Dallas, Texas, it's uh, Mr. Wizard. Doug Davis is with us today. Hey, Doug. Hey, Gary. Good to be here. This should be fun. Yeah, Doug is at the shop as usual. And uh, down in Jackson, Mississippi, it is our media dude himself. It's Trey Burgoyne. Hey, Trey. Howdy, y'all. How y'all are? Yeah, so those are the guys that uh, make this whole uh, show run beautifully and uh, couldn't do it without them. So, all right. Uh, I mentioned the live chat uh, as far as asking your questions for our Ask Me Anything session. It's so important. Uh, we have live chat going uh, on both of our destinations for this live webcast. That means Facebook. If you comment in the Facebook uh, event, uh, we will get to see that and respond to it. And if you are uh, on YouTube, if you look off to the right um, on the web page or down below, I guess, on mobile, uh, you will see the live chat there. So please uh, put your questions, uh, make your comments there. You can chat amongst yourselves or with our panelists who will be on there uh, to talk to you, too. So 
we look forward to uh, seeing what you have to uh, to say in chat and, and tell us where you're watching from. We always like to know about that as well. Guys, you can uh, help the Laid Back Bike Report out by liking us on our Facebook page, subscribing to our YouTube channel. And if you just uh, click that little white eye up there, it will take you to our webpage and you can find out all kinds of other information about uh, the Layback Bike Report, our past shows, what we have coming up, uh, bonus material, our uh, our podcasts. We do uh, uh, make many of our uh, webcasts into podcasts now so you can listen to the show, maybe while you're riding, if that makes sense uh, to you. So uh, all that stuff's on the uh, webpage, laidbackbikereport.com. So you can get there by clicking that little white eye. And uh, probably the best way to support us, besides watching us, is to become a Patreon uh, patron. You can do that for as little as a dollar a month. Um, you can just go to Patreon and search for Layback Bike Report, or uh, I'll have the links in the description below. Um, I would at this point like to thank our amazing sponsors, TerraCycle, makers of exquisite recumbent parts and accessories for your bent, and Trailside.bike, a fine recumbent bike shop on the Withlacoochee Trail in Florida, and Cruise Bike, designed for the cyclist who wants to ride farther, climb faster, and adventure more. All cruise bikes and frame sets ship free in the USA. And TerraTrike. Every participant in TerraTrike's virtual rider fest will receive an entry into a raffle for a new TerraTrike of their choice, including the much anticipated TerraTrike Spider and GTS. The drawing will take place live right here on the Laid Back Bike Report next Sunday, June 28th. So you do not want to miss that. So ride what you like, but get out and ride. Look for the details on the TerraTrike website at terratrike.com slash riderfest or on the TerraTrike Facebook page. And the Hostel Shop, America's premier recumbent dealer with the largest variety of recumbents, parts and accessories in stock and ready to ship to your door. All right, guys. So let's get on with the show and talk to our first guest. He, as I mentioned earlier, is uh, in Romania, but actually he is Dutch and his name is Jan Vienen. Jan, are you there? Yes. How I'm nice there. to have you with us today. We really appreciate you coming on. Mm-hmm. So, Jan, um, and also let's bring Doug, uh, Doug Davis in here, too, because he may want to comment or uh, add to some of the conversation as well, Jan, as we begin to ask uh, questions. Um, Jan, I, I guess I want to start out by asking you, what, uh, what were your first uh, exposures? What was the first Velomobile that you saw and how did it impress you? Oh, uh, that's a long time ago already. Um... I've been raised in Dronten, that's a Villemobile mecca of the world. So it's, it's, I think it was in 1994 I was exposed already uh, with uh, some Villemobiles. Uh, I saw Theo, Theo Allert and Jimte driving and um, I got really interesting in it. So 
that was my first exposure. Okay. So, uh, so now those guys went on to start some Velomobile uh, manufacturing of their own, uh, Velomobile.nl, right? And uh, Alert was is with uh, Intercity. Did he end up with? I'm not sure. I know the exact story, but is that right? No, um, Velomobile oh, NL. Yeah. Well, in I don't know exact year anymore that Velomobile NL <clears throat> was founded by <coughs> by. Um, by Allert and Jimte. Uh -huh. and later on, um, Theo uh, joined it. Uh, and in 2014, 14, uh, it split it. And then uh, Jimte uh, started uh, Intercity Bike with the DF, the DFXL, and Theo and Allert remained uh, in the Villemobile NL company. Okay. So um, I know you have this story about when you were a youngster and you saw these guys, um, and at the and going back to that time, uh, they were working at uh, Flavo Bike, right? What, so tell us about th that time, and and there's a story also about uh, how you fell in love with what they had, and and your dad got involved. Tell us about that. Yeah, well. Um, the first question you asked me with when I got um, exposed, um, I directly followed them uh, with my normal bicycle uh, to Flavor Bike, and I uh, hammered down many questions to them. And after school, I went uh, also to Flavor Bike to see and have a chit chat. And the they sent me away because I can imagine that if a boy of 13 years old standing for your workshop and want to test drive a Venomobile, uh, I can imagine, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't allow uh, a 13 year old boy cycling, test driving my Venomobiles. So um, after a couple of weeks, my father got also interested in it and they let him of course make a test drive. And my father bought a second-hand elevator. And that one I could drive occasionally. And uh, yeah, so that was my start of Velomobiles. But I still came quite often by Flavor Bike to ask many questions. Uh, internet was not available back then. So you had to go there and ask questions to get answers. And then... Um, after after I came like this 10 times, 20 times, they asked me if I could uh, do some useful instead of uh, having only questions. So uh, they let me clean up uh, their their work uh, shop. That's how I started to work for Flavor Bike. So you were as persistent as a young man could be and you, and you built wheels for them as well. Is that right? You started doing that? Yeah, well... I was hired to clean up the workshop, um, but after a couple of days, uh, they uh, trained me how to make wheels. And um, I, mainly at Flavor Bike, I built wheels. Okay. For like three years, but as a side job, of course. I was like, I was 14 when I started uh, uh, there working a side job. And, uh, I got paid in uh, in an elevator building uh, package, so no so mon no money but parts. Okay, right. 
But uh, yeah, you, clearly you were hooked by then and it led uh, on to a lot more later on in your life. So uh, let's let's uh, step forward a bit then and uh, talk about your college background a little bit uh, that prepared you for what uh, eventually came a little bit later. What is your, tell us about your, uh, your college uh, experience. What did you study? Well, I did mechanical, uh, mechanical engineering, but I, I think I learned more at Villamobile and L about, all, uh, about um, aerodynamics, about uh, composites. Um, Allard, uh, Allard is a um, profession, is of official teacher. And uh, we had always quite extensive talks in the breaks, and then he teached me quite a lot. So I think I, I learned more uh, in the break times, breaks of, uh, of the Bevelemobile and Elden on, uh, on my mechanical engineering. Yeah, sometimes it works out that way. So, but, so your, your education progressed. Now, uh, there's two kind of di disjointed uh, sections of your story that we need to kind of bring together. So uh, you're Dutch. So you grew up in the Netherlands. You went to school there. You had all your experiences there. But now mm -hmm. you're building Velomobiles in Romania. So we need to go back a little bit and find out what uh, prompted this. What was the beginning of your connection to Romania? How did this all come about? Well, um, yeah, I was in the late, uh, uh, when I did um, the practical phase of uh, mechanical and engineering, I was um, at a big mechanical site and in the evening, I was looking to a movie about uh, the gladiators. And Caesar dies and he says, for what I lived. And Caesar wasn't happy about where he lived for. So I, that, that made me thinking what, what I want to see in the end of my life. So I've been working after this, this three years as volunteer in Romania, here in this area. And after it, I've been with my wife in Brazil. And there they, they teach people to uh, start up businesses. And then the idea started like, hmm, I better start a business and have fun in the product I build. And I get also money for myself because in uh, voluntary jobs, it's, it's terrible um, payments. Uh, it could be that you have one month uh, 300 euros next month you have nothing uh, and it's quite a challenge if you have a family so i didn't want to go down that road okay so let's take it to, to the next step so you decided you were going to um you were going to start this so this company and you had this experience and this love of Velomobile. So now mm -hmm. I understand that Velomobile.nl played an important part on getting you started here. Tell us about how that started. How did you actually get the business going and when? Well, um, so in 2008, I came back from Brazil and I needed to have a job. Then uh, the, the guys from Velomobile and L asked me if I uh, could join the, the company to work with them uh, as, a, as an employee. And I think eight months later, they asked me if I would be partner in the business. And I happily accept that uh, offer directly. 
and we discussed directly uh, the opportunity to start up a business in Romania, production facility. And yeah, they were very open and uh, very supportive uh, to this idea. So yeah, they they played an enormous, actually enormous uh, role because they financed uh, everything. So that's how you got started. Okay, so. Um so you decided then you'd been to Romania and you decided, I guess I'd like to know a little bit more about the reasons that made you make the choice to actually start this business, this factory in Romania. Oh yeah. It's uh, a long time ago already. Um, well, as, as I said, in Brazil, you had ID, you see, uh, you make a kind of combination with the, as the volunteer, like doing something good and proper for the society. And uh, I, I saw the businesses, but I saw also that the business they helped to start up, they were very tiny and small, and they would not generate a real business for people. And so on, I started thinking about it, and, uh, and the idea came in, it came in, in shape to start a business uh, in Romania. But I didn't know yet until Velemobil NL asked me to be partner. Um, I, I never make the connection with building Velemobils in Romania and um, uh, having a business. But when they asked me, I told them I want to go in the future uh, to Romania. And they directly said, okay, we, how much money do you need to start, start a business? Okay. All right. All right. Let's go ahead then and start talking about the business that um, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think you start out being velomobile.ro having to do with mm -hmm. your website and now has become Velomobile World. So mm -hmm. let's talk about this. So you've got the business now, you're manufacturing. Um, what were your goals? I, I, and I assume they're probably similar uh, as, uh, as they are to today, what 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 were your goals starting out, and and, and what are they today for this uh, Velmobile building business? What do you want to do with this? Um, well, in uh, the goal was to be the pr producer for Velmobile NL, and uh, that was the main, the first goal. Um, but unfortunately, um, because of personal issues in Holland between uh, the three remaining partners um, that didn't went well um, so I, I, I bought uh, the complete Romanian uh, factory in 2015 and um, yeah right now is the goal to to extend also every year with like 20 percent and uh, build quality have fun um, Great conditions with my employees. Um, don't get shitty emails about uh, things are not not so good. <laughs> those are some yeah. yeah. No, those are some great goals actually. I love that. So let's let's clear up. I want to be clear about this. So before your factory came online, so um, Velmobile NL Inner City, these guys all were making the Velmobiles in Dronten in their own little in their shops and such. 
And now mm-hmm. you pretty much are making, are you making all of the Velomobiles for these guys a, as well as uh, uh, Rotter works as well? Tell me, tell mm-hmm. me if you're doing all of these and, uh, and, yes, and how, for, that transition went. how did that transition go? Uh, for Velomobile NL and the city bike, we produce a hundred percent. Of course they do some, uh, uh, what's it called custom work maybe yeah if there is an, a special custom uh wish but but we don't uh for example some some special things in it but it's complicated to communicate to build in here then do it they they will do it uh at the shop uh right now um we signed a contract with Rederwerk. Um, that we produce the license and we sell to the dealers. And, uh, and the Alpha 7, of course, it's the mm-hmm. same construction. We have a uh, license uh, agreement with uh, Daniel Venn and uh, we can deliver to the, to the dealers. All right. Let's actually, this is a good point, I think, for us to start taking a look at these individual Velomobiles. And I'd like you to talk about them and the story of how you acquired the manufacturing for them and uh, and and how they and how they do and what they are. Um, so uh, and we have some pictures to go with this. We're going to start out. You mentioned the Alpha 7. Mm-hmm. Is that what we are there? So um, we've got a few pictures. Trey, go ahead and, and go through these. And. Uh, Jan, tell us about the Alpha 7, who the designer is and mm-hmm. uh, what, what you do with the Alpha 7. Yeah, well, I, I realized now looking to the pictures that um, this was the first Alpha 7 we built uh, in Romania. And I missed still some stickers uh, stickers on it. And I see also the old brand name Villemobile Aero is on it. But that's small details. Um, Daniel Fenn. Uh, it's a, I think it's a pretty well-known uh, guy who designed the Alpha Seven. Um, yeah, it's 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 the production. It's the lightest uh, velomobile. It also um, was used in the uh, in, in the, the winning uh, Trans America uh, race a uh, year before last, right? Yeah. Well. Um, that that that's in, that's in America a very big thing. Um, here on this side of the big lake, uh, we we didn't get so much information about it. I got it like a couple of months later on. I heard about Trans America. Right. So it's, yeah. it's known for it's known for its speed, but actually, I think that helped to prove its reliability uh, to go all the way across the mm-hmm. continent as well. So. Okay, beautiful. Um, and now we have uh, the Milan, I think, is our next one. Yeah, and that's a, Doug's, mm-hmm. that's a shot from Doug's parking lot, actually, of Milan. And you mentioned Rotter Works. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, what do you want to know uh, in particular? Well, yeah, so what, what is this Velomobile mostly designed for, and how does it differ from the others? Um, well... The the Alpha Seven is really they they really push from the weight, so um, it's good for better for if you have a bit of hilly uh, hilly uh, landscape. Um, the Milan is designed in the north of Germany. There are no hills, but there is very much wind. So um, 
they optimized mostly for uh, also the sailing effect. So if the wind comes from, like say, from the left or the right, uh, because of the flat uh, sides, it push, it gets the sailing effect, but um, helping you go even faster forward, if, even if the wind blows very hard. Mm -hmm. All right, new EB uh, says Daniel, Daniel Fenn, who we were just talking about, to also design the Evo R, Evo K, and the DF, and the Alpha 7 which is, uh, as he says, a wonderful Velomobile to ride. Interesting mm -hmm. comment there. All yeah, right. The, mm -hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, the, he missed the DFXL in the line. Yeah, okay. This, yep. this mm -hmm. comment. All right, and that uh, will take us on to uh, the next one, which is, I think, the DF, huh? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so that is DF is Daniel Fenn, right? That's what the DF mm -hmm. stands for. And there's a DF and a DF uh, extra large because... Let's see if I have this right. I, I know it's a DF is it, for guys who have wider shoulders. It's been a problem. And the XL is a little bit wider across there. Do I have that right? Yeah, correctly. And uh, it's uh, overall a bit bigger. So if you have a big shoe, shoes or big legs, uh, it's, it fits um, better. Uh, for me, the DF is the most perfect sized Velomobile. Um, but that's because it was designed here together with me and Daniel and um, yeah we we were uh, shaping it to uh, my shoulders and his shoulders and so yeah Fair for enough. me the DF is the best fitted uh, fitting by uh, all available okay all right now let's go on to one that's one of the more popular velomobiles and one of the earlier ones and i know there's mm -hmm. some updates to it now too and that's the quest tell us about the quest well it, uh, it was a lot of fun uh, i drove uh, quest number one uh, at uh, 11 o'clock in the evening no lights no brakes on the industrial area because we were uh, so exciting excited yeah excited to to test the bike um yeah yeah and i i drove i had like three or four of them in the main in, in totally and now there is um we don't have let's go back to that other the other picture of the quest if we could there's also the the quest xs yes and this is a new XS. version yeah tell us about the what is the xs uh well it's it's um you mean the XS from like six years ago, or you mean the, the newest one? The newest version, yes, please. The newest one that was not yet driving. That right. one, you mean? Yes, the one that's not quite available. There's, is there's, I guess what I'm getting at is uh, there's a complete new design, right? Is that, is, that, is that correct? Yeah. It's a complete new design. It's, uh, it's very tiny. Um, I, th I think the market will be uh, quite small. Um, I, I'm not sure if I will fit in. I am uh, 180. Uh, so I think I think it will be until 1 meter 75. I have no idea how much feet or inches that's it. Do you know when that's going to be available? Well, I, I, I was uh, I was in uh, Holland from uh, mid March until uh, last week uh, because of the Corona virus. I couldn't travel back to Romania, 
and um, I've seen the, the body and I've seen the rear wheel in. Um, so to be production ready, and if they will bring it in production, that will take, I think, somewhere in the spring. Okay. Fair. Spring of next year. Yeah, yeah, not this okay. spring. Right, right. Okay, very good. Let's move on. So there is the Strata. There's a guy who looks like he knows what he's doing behind the wheel. Mm -hmm. And uh, so are, are you selling many Stratas these days? It's, it's an older model, I know. Uh, no, no. Stratas, um, no. No, 10, 10, bi 10 bikes a year, maybe. Okay. Yeah, that's actually Lars's Strata that I rode in when I was in Germany uh, mm. a couple of years ago. So, But it was fun. Okay. And uh, here is, speaking of a popular one, uh, here is the Quattro Velo. And we have a few shots of this. Uh, tell us about mm -hmm. your experience building the Quattro Velo. Um, well, we built around uh, two bicycles, two, two Velomobiles uh, a, a week of them um yeah it's it's it has it's the four-wheeler for me personally i like uh, a velomobile to be as fast as possible and uh, for me it's okay if i just can fit some small things in it um so for me this is not the most popular uh velomobile for me so it's it's hard to say something about it for me Right. I mean, it's a compromise for sure, but I think it's a compromise that just meets a lot of people's needs. Um, not everyone, though, clearly. I mean, that, apparently, because <laughs> it's still, it's still very well. <laughs> right. It's two a week, and you and you, uh, you we're going to talk about the delays and uh, and how far out some of these are a little bit later on. But needless mm -hmm. to say, you're a little behind on keeping up with the demand for that. So yeah, clearly, it's it's still something that people want. So okay, so we've talked about the uh, the uh, velomobiles uh, that you make, and now let's talk a little bit. Uh, more about the process of you making them, which I think people will find fascinating. You've uh, you've sent mm -hmm. a few pictures uh, for us to talk about them. Um, so can you, uh, first of all, in general, talk about the building process? What what goes into building um, the uh, a Velomobile and how do you divide them up, uh, you know, and, and all that sort of thing. And we're going to start out with a, we have a picture of that uh, planning board that you have. I don't know if you want to start there. Is that okay to, to start there? Jan? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us about you, the process. Yeah. So you have first um, the planning. It's, it's, it's written planificada. Uh, so there's the bikes for this week to be produced. And um, then on the right side, on the, then uh, one space to the right, you, no, no. No, go on, yeah, go on back. He didn't mean the right side. Thanks, Dre. No, no, yeah. yeah. Good. So you see every, every there is some, um, you see the bike with a, is, is on a paper with a magnet. So we move them uh, to the next stage in the Kanban, um, in the Kanban uh, plan board. And, um, First step is in the production is uh, we uh, wax the molds, we cut the carbon fiber, and we, we bring on the, the gel coat. That's the first day. And the second day, it's uh, lamination. And you see a lot of ladies there on the top line. So you see the pictures of uh, some ladies. They are the lamination team. 
and then uh, you have a couple of steps forward and there you see three guys so after the lamination the the products gets in the molds in the in the post curing oven and it will goes to these uh, three guys there they uh, take it out of the molds uh, grind the edges glue in glue in the, the the wheel well in the in the the body uh, all the other parts will need to be glued in and could you go to the next picture yeah so there we have uh yep Wop. it's called so first yeah after it's it's all glued together you go to painting and after painting we have of course uh, pre-assembly assembly and then we we put it in 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 some uh, on some wooden frames uh, ready for shipping so that's a very fast um talk run about down of, yeah yeah that's that's great though all right so now this is obviously uh, a, a fine-tuned process that you have here. Did this did this start out being this fine-tuned? Is this how it was when you first started out, or is it taking you these numbers of years to work this to work this out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially the composite was uh, quite a pain in the ass. Uh, uh, before you find out how to post cure it, um, um, having First of all, you, you build just a simple oven, and uh, you, you put in a sauna heater in, and, and you try to heat it up in a constant way, and then things go wrong. Uh, now we have a uh, yeah, complete PLC uh, attached to, the, uh, to some new ovens with uh, airflows, sensors, in order to get um, a homogen uh, heating process and a cooling process. Uh, yeah, this took uh, some years to learn because the majority of the companies are very silent about uh, their uh, knowledge. Yeah, yeah, I would. They're tight-lipped about giving away their trade secrets. I'm sure. Um, Trey, can we start going? We have a few uh, shots of what goes on in the factory, so maybe you can describe what we're seeing as we go through these. Jan, what do yeah, yeah. So here we have um, um, we glue in. We, we, so the, here is the finishing area. So the parts comes out of the oven and we glue in uh, the wheel wells. As you can see this in the front, we have a um, quattro velo where we glue in uh, the wheel wells in. And on the right side, you see in um, strada. So that's uh, happening here, yeah. Okay, next. Assembly. When we had, uh, <laughs> well, it's a, yeah, we have there uh, three assembly tables, and we have now five. So yeah, you said five? Is that, is that what you said? Yeah, we oh. have now um, five assembly stands. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, this is uh, the picture made from the composite area. Uh, it was, uh, we painted the floor, and this was directly after we painted it. So, unfortunately, it lo don't look so great anymore but uh yeah this was uh, how it looks like um the, the one or two weeks after we painted the floors okay here you see the assembly area again on the right side and um 
Yeah, and the, where at the end you see the office spaces. On the left side you see we do pre-assembly and we have some uh, lathe uh, standing there, um, mill, welding machines, uh, cutting. On the right side you see it's a very tiny part of the storage of the spare parts. That's kind of everything. Ah, the, the, we're gonna say goodbye, unfortunately, to this employee. He is uh, already 66, and I think he's gonna st start uh, stop working in one or two years. Is this is this is your shop, the machine shop kind of thing? Yes. Yeah, this is the machine shop. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next. Yeah. Again, assembly. More assembly. Okay. Yeah. A couple of nice shots of assembled. A couple of nice shots to get emotions right. Uh, yeah, the engineer who's uh, making the drawings to make sure that we kind of up to date with the drawings. Okay. Here we, uh, yeah, well, built wheels, of course. And we had some, uh, I see, <laughs> when I made the picture, I didn't see that we have uh, what's called this letter. We had some uh, things going on in the electric. Okay. Ah, oh, hey, it's me on the left side. Oh, that's you carrying that uh, piece of nice. aluminum, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice yeah. to see that you're actually working there. You have to at least make an effort to show that you're working there to encourage your employees, <laughs> I'm sure, Jan. All right, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, I do, I do work. <laughs> That's a nice shot there. That should get a little bit more close of that uh, Quattrovello being assembled. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's it. Looks like, huh? Yeah, could be. Okay. Ah. Yeah. Well, that we'll we'll show that at the end here. I think we'll do when we start talking about uh, the total number of people. Um, so we've got a, a couple of questions, and I know that Doug tried to answer one. And so first of all. Um, Lonnie Morse. Uh, hello, Lonnie. And uh, folks, I'll, you'll know about this when I get to the end of the show. Lonnie's going to be on next week, actually, talking about the Oregon uh, human-powered uh, vehicle uh, group. Uh, he wants to know about uh, how e-assist uh, fits into Velomobiles. Now, I know that there are e-assist Velomobiles. Mm -hmm. uh, is that something that you guys work on? Do you add that, or is that uh, aftermarket? How does that work for, from your uh, point of view from the factory? Um, I like to build uh, the, the lightest bicycles and fast bicycles, and um, I, we could, we we might gonna uh, make a kind of e-assist for uh, if you go uphill, because um, well, the regulation in uh, the Netherlands or Europe is that I cannot uh, assist uh, above twenty-five kilometers per hour. And uh, that's not so hard to reach with Envelomobile. So there is not a really uh, good use for an electric assist. Uh, only if you go uphill to support, it will be great. Right. For so those people that are me, touring. Right now it's... Yeah, for those people that are touring, of course, I think maybe that that might make some more sense. But if you if you just want to make a go fast velomobile, then of course that's not what we're talking about here. Well, there there is some designs um, 
going on, but um, if you have, there's not really such a nice e-assist available, only, um, uh, it was called, I forgot the name of it, but there is some, some growing requests for electric assist, so it, I, I can imagine in one or two years there will be the option available. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, let's leave uh, the factory then. Um, let's go ahead and pop up that last shot, uh, Lars, if we could. And there's all this. This is all your crew right there, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And I'm on the right. I jumped the highest. Oh, I see. You did jump the highest. You are competitive. Yeah. There's no doubt yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, I'm extremely competitive. Yeah. Okay. Really good. Nice shot. All right. So let's let's talk about. Um, the uh, the next aspect of what you do so you you build uh, in the factory of course and you also have been kind of innovative when it comes to distribution and, and sales by building out a dealer network so mm -hmm. um you can correct me if i'm wrong i think in general beforehand before you came along with this dealer network it was pretty much the individual uh, Velmobile manufacturers selling to individual people around the world, uh, one at a time kind of thing. And you came up with the concept, I think, of setting up a dealer network like bikes do and such. So can you tell us about how you came up with this and, and what, your, what your concept is here? Well, I need to give the, the credits to Jinte. Um, he, he came up with the idea. Um, uh, when Velomobil and L existed still as, as with four of us. And I just went, uh, gen, gen, I just went on in this uh, philosophy <clears throat> to go and build a uh, uh, dealer network. And for the coming months, from, I, I will be now from well, mid-June to mid-November, I really want to focus on um, building a spare parts uh, storage so in order uh, if somebody orders uh, a spare part we don't need to like oh we need to produce it oh uh, uh, mm. so you want to make sure that the spare parts are there uh, and ready to go and so that your dealer can and handle uh any any sort of repair uh kind of situation yes yeah it looks like you're yeah i'm i'm working um uh, to get, I'm back. Yeah, you're back. Am I back? Yeah. Okay, good. So I'm working on some manuals uh, the coming months and uh, make sure that there's uh, spare parts on stock, so we can ship it faster. And uh, uh, because I've seen it, it's uh, quite um, quite not running well yet. Okay, that makes sense. All right, so now more specifically about the dealers. So tell us about where you have dealers and how does that process work? The, the idea then is that the customer orders from a dealer, then the dealer mm -hmm. orders from you, yes? Is this how it works? Yes, yeah, that's, um, that's how the system works. So I don't sell, um, uh, it has no sense to come to me and um, um, get try to get here a bike. Although there are some uh, people who live in uh, this side in uh, Austria, and I'm the closest uh, dealer for them, and uh, then I help them out. But uh, yeah, that's that's how it works. The dealer uh, 
people goes there to make a test drive, order there, um, get customer servers, and I try to support um, with manuals and uh, spare parts to build the spare parts storage. Uh, in this way, I try to support the dealers to do their job well yeah. to be successful. That's got to be a better process uh, for everyone concerned. If you can pull that off, that's great. All right. We alluded earlier to uh, building uh, the Velmobiles fast enough and, and, and lead times and such. So let's get into that. We actually have a question. Let's see. Yeah, let's see. From Motard, will there be a possibility to see the exact waiting pro uh, pro progress position of the order, or is it the responsibility mainly of the dealer, in this case, the router work? So, yeah, let's let's talk about that. Uh, what are the lead times for the various Velomobiles, and how can the customer keep track of where they are in that process, I guess is the question. I, I, I hope next week I have on the Velomobile World come and uh, uh, yeah, something similar like an order list. So you can see um, when a bike is ordered and when it will be delivered, which bike uh, is ordered in which configuration. Um, I did something similar as uh, Villamobile Nell and Intercity Bike, only I don't expose the name of the clients. I expose only an order number. So um, you get the dealer makes an order at, uh, in our system and uh, the dealer gets an order number. And um, with this order number, uh, it can be communicated with the client in order the client can see, hey, it's, it's, uh, it's still in planning and the expected delivery will be in August. Hey, my bike is in painting or my bike is in assembly. Hey, it's on the road. Okay. Um, so this transparency uh, I've been building on uh, for the last uh, months, and I uh, and I have it now on uh, on a um, test server to see if it works. And we had some uh, some bugs in the system, so I hope that will be finished this week or the coming weeks, coming week. And uh, yeah, then it will be uh, online to to be seen. Okay, that would be great. I think everyone would appreciate that. Let's quickly go through. So, how long will it take for my Alpha Seven that I ordered today? If you you ordered one today, I didn't see, but uh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, it will be uh, leaving the factory August. Okay, okay. and in Milan. Milan. Oh, January. Okay. Leaving, and, uh, leaving the factory. How about uh, how about a DF? DF is August, August somewhere. Okay. Begin August. Uh, Quest. Quest. Oh, that's that one can be soon. Uh, one uh, one and a half months delivery time. Okay, and finally, the, the probably the leader of the pack and the wrong end of the pack, the QV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, I would say March, March, April. 
Okay, fair enough. I, I understand. No one's going to hold you. Well, I'm sure people will try to hold you to it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I we will not emails. try to hold you to it. And so, very, very good. All right. Now, um, you know, we want to talk a little bit about the uh, delivery process. So, let's say I order here in the states. I ordered that. Uh, well, I'm going to order something I can have right away. I'm going to order Quest, and so now you build it it's going to be just a month or so and then how does it get delivered to me what's the process there what do you do uh, well um, uh, i think uh, you have to go to doug davis mm-hmm. first of all um you're on, the, on that big, big side of the other side of the lake he's handling uh uh, that part of the business. Right. So I have to go through Doug. I call Doug and say, Doug, I, I want a quest. And uh, he then contacts you and, and gives you the order. You go ahead and build well, it. Well, by the quest, uh, by the products of Velomobil NL and um, Intercity Bike, uh, you have to go to Velomobil NL and Intercity Bike. For the Alpha and the SL and GT, you, uh, Doug David will contact me. Straight. Okay, but he'll so he would contact the others, but he would handle. Yeah. That. All right. Well, yeah. let's, let's, let's. I'm ordering one from you. Let's let's I'm, let's make that. I'm at, I'm ordering an Alpha Seven. I made a mistake. I should have gotten the Alpha. G- Gary, Gary, who? Yeah, exactly. So so tell me, what do you do? You you got the now you've built it, and I'll tell me how it gets. How does it get to me through Doug? How does that work? Oh, Doug Davis takes over. That's uh, <laughs> it, it is a pain in the ass. <laughs> Right now, it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> exactly. So let's so, we'll talk so, about so, it, guys. So, so before before we had this global zombie pandemic outbreak, it was pretty straightforward. We could pick it up at the factory. We could put it on an airplane. A few weeks later, it would show up in your house, and you'd be a happy camper. Um, now, that most of those velomobiles shipped commercially on passenger airlines. They actually shipped in the cargo. Uh, holds of a passenger airliner, um, which there aren't very many of anymore. In fact, there's basically none uh, going between here and various parts of Europe. So we have been trying all sorts of things, getting them on airplanes. It's been nearly impossible. Not that we can't get them booked, but the airlines cancel. The the the, the, the flight gets canceled. Uh, and so they sit for, for sometimes weeks uh, at one end of the spectrum or the other because we just can't get them out. And now we're trying sea shipping, which is uh, a little bit more straightforward, but a lot more time-consuming. Um, we just shipped a whole bunch of them out uh, from various points uh, the last couple of weeks now via sea. Um, and those seem to be, the, the, the they take about 36 days once they're picked up. And picking them up has been an issue too, because as Jan knows, we've had some issues with the locals where they can't go and get the bike because their particular sector of the universe has been blocked by you know this virus. So it's been just you know one comedy of errors after another. But ultimately, this will get straightened out. Ultimately, we won't have the virus in the way, and then it will get back to a more predictable uh, timeline. And uh, when that happens, uh, usually you can expect about two and a half weeks via air. And about a month and a half via sea. Okay, very good. Um, let's uh, just quickly drop back a couple of questions. That's actually not the one here. So uh, Joseph Janning here is asking, what is the reason? So we, you've talked about the, the differing timetables for each of those particular velmobiles. Is it because of the demand very specifically, or are there slots um, uh, for uh, each? 
and of, Romaine Condit that wants to know really the same thing. Uh, yeah, why, why? Because of molds and um, uh, policies. So we, Mo you have molds, a, yeah. Well, you'll have a limited quantity that you can take out of a mold. It's not like you dump carbon fiber and epoxy in the mold and you take it out. Um, uh, this process takes one week, one bike in a mold. And we have, uh, for Quattro Velo, we have two molds. So it's two bikes a week. And um, they all go through Velomobile NL. And they have a limited uh, um, um, capacity to to handle bikes because they have uh, more than a thousand clients driving around as well and um, they want to keep them happy as well uh, so yeah there is there is a, a big um, bottleneck uh, bottleneck at the quattro velo for uh, our production capacity and uh, their uh, their handling Mm -hmm. That makes sense. All right, let's talk about dealers specifically here. So, well, it occurs to me, I, I've been to Doug's shop. I know, so he has some Velomobiles in stock now. It, it, it seems obvious to me if you cannot build them fast enough, um, the dealers have to, would have to get in line like everybody else to get a stock uh, Velomobile for people to try out. And so I assume that ideally you would like to have your dealers out there with the Velomobile models that you have for people to try out, that's part of what mm -hmm. you want to do, yes? Is that part of the goal? Uh, yes. Well, um, I, I try to, if a dealer ordered a uh, test bike for himself, that one gets sometimes a bit priority in order um, uh, people can test them out. Um, but people, the dealers don't have really like four or five uh, Alphas standing there in stock. I don't know if Doc has it. He does have a few, but I think he's unusual in that regard. So, um, all right, I have one. This is actually getting into our next question there. Michael Smith, how does one become a dealer for you? So uh, tell us about your dealers. How many dealers do you have? If you want to talk about that in general, or where are they? And uh, what is the requirement to become a dealer for uh, Velomobile World? Um. Well, we have like 23 dealers, um, the majority is in, um, in Europe. Um, one of the requirements of the dealers is that you have to be, of course, uh, driving already for a while, Velomobiles, because um, sometimes I get requests um, from people, yeah, I want to be dealer. And I'm like, well, you don't cycle by yourself. Um, you don't, you, you never drove it or um, so. Mostly, I have the impression they, they come for a quick money, which you cannot make. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, isn't the, the first part of becoming a dealer taking a vow of poverty? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you need to like also. Uh, if you don't also show that you, you're, you believe in the product by yourself, um, I can't believe you can be a dealer. And um, you, yeah, you've got to show that passion that you've shown right from the start, don't you think? I mean, you have to want to, you have to love this and love Velomobiles so that you can sell them to people. If you are not an advocate 
then people are not going to, this is not an impulse buy that someone come in for $200 and buy something, something that has to be sold and explained and shown mm -hmm. how important it is. I think that's what you're, is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. That's what I try to say. And um, it, it's, it's also that somebody needs to be able to repair a bicycle. Right. You want to have that service yeah, available. Uh, so somebody, that it's, yeah, of course. Of yeah. Course. Okay. Yeah. So you need to differ the surface. And um, it's also necessarily that you don't have them too close to each other. Of course, right. You have to have a reasonable territory for everyone there. So, all right, let's mm -hmm. let's kind of start wrapping this up with a talk uh, about the future here. So, I guess uh, first of all, uh, there's all kinds of things that people want in terms of a velomobile. I'm sure you've heard some crazy ideas. I I got a question from um, uh, a guy who's a very powerful uh, advocate uh, for velomobile uh, adoption around the world, uh, Manfred Schiller, who wants to know about a four-seater side-by-side velomobile. Um, and so I, I want you to address that. We saw one that was actually built in Australia when we uh, talked uh, to Ben Goodall a, a few weeks ago. He kind of built it as a prototype. Is there such a four-seater side-by-side uh, in anyone's thoughts that you know of for Velomobile? And tell us what is uh, in the future for building Velomobiles? What kinds of concepts do you, have you seen and do you think might come to uh, pass? Uh, a four-wheeler, I, I don't think so. That um, will be produced quickly. A four-seater, a four-seater, but four-seater, yeah. I mean, four-seater, not four. Four-wheeler is already probably would be a four-wheeler as well, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't think so. That um, a four-seater will be built soon in my facility. Um, I've seen um, at Intercity Bike some developments in with a four-wheeler. Um, that could be available in the next Spacey. Uh, 2021. Mm -hmm. um, I, today I hear that Spacey uh, 2020, even in August, will be cancelled. So yes, that has been cancelled for sure. I yeah, yeah. Already just told me yes. Yeah, so I expect there will be uh, a four wheeler from Intercity Bike, um, and there is the the Quest 3.0 uh, from Velomobil NL. And I expect that there will be a kind of production-ready Velomobile also on the Spacey 2021. Very so that's 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 um, that's what I expect to be uh, at the Spacey 2021. All right, we look forward to seeing that. All right, let's uh, finish then with. Uh, I guess I want to ask you how. Do we expand the overall market for Velomobiles? I know this has got to be something that you think about all the time. This is your business. So what's the best way to raise the consciousness and awareness of Velomobiles and how they can be used in their very many uh, you know, commuting and, and touring and, and uh, around town, all those sorts of things? What's the best way to, uh, to get the word out there? Mm -hmm. Well, I, um, as we, we discussed, I, I want to go through dealers um, and, of course, internet. Um, I, I, I don't have yet a proper plan for uh, 
marketing on the on the internet uh, because we sell always mostly like somebody is an early adapter in this area he buys uh, let's see where's the camera there yeah for example in in a place he he buys uh, a velomobile and two years later you see somebody in that area saw that guy driving saw how enthusiastic was and he was like yeah i want also one so most of the time right now it worked like this uh although i see the big potential of internet but i didn't spend enough time yet um, to use this enormous tool Right. But you're working on it. Clearly, you've talked about that. And I agree. I, I think nothing raises awareness awareness as much as actually seeing the amazing design uh, of, of a Velomobile out there riding. So and, and the questions that it uh, that it attracts. So. All right. Uh, any final thoughts uh, for us at all, Jan? No, no, no. He had, uh, he had quite an uh, extensive question. So I didn't expect uh an hour interview. Right. Well, I, I wanted to stretch you and apparently I have. So I know you worked <laughs> very hard. I, English is not your first language, obviously. And you did a great mm -hmm. job, Jan. Thank you. And we've been working on this for a few weeks. So I yeah. really appreciate you taking the time out. You are a busy guy and uh, you have a lot of people that admire what you do and look forward to seeing what you will uh, what you will produce in the future. I'm one of those. So I'll, I'll be mm -hmm. keeping an eye on you. So stay in touch. Thank you for coming mm -hmm. on the Laid Back Bike Report. Okay. Well, have a great interview still. I think you, you have some more guests. We sure do. We're going to move on okay. to those right now. Thank you, Jan. Okay. okay. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Uh, so, yes, let's move along to the next uh, segment, which has to do with racing your recumbents. We've been talking about this for a while on the Layback Bike Report in a number of different ways. And um, I guess one of the one of the important um, places around the U.S. where we know about a good place to ride and race recumbents is the Arkansas Senior Olympics. And they've, for the last couple of years, have uh, suddenly allowed recumbents to participate in this. And it's really uh, something that I wanted to get deeper into. Uh, Jane Knight has brought our attention to it in a number of ways, and uh, she's a big advocate. And so is Doug. So we're going to keep Doug on hand here as we bring on a couple of gentlemen who are responsible for uh, two major rides that, uh, that accept recumbents. Arkansas Senior Olympics uh, organizer, um, first of all, uh, Greg Ebert. And uh, we also have uh, Andy Hollinger from the Texas Championships at Fort Hood, I think. is. Am I saying that right, Andy? Yeah, yeah. It's the, uh, it's the Texas State Road Championships that we've held at Fort Hood for the last 12 years. There we go. All right. Well, it's great to have you, uh, Greg. Hello. Hello there. And uh, Andy, great to have you with us. Uh, I'm sorry I got that link to you so late. Uh, you did a great job coming on. We had a little That's time great. to get you on. So you guys, uh, yeah. uh, we're glad that you're with us. All right. So I've got uh, just a, a few questions, and I'm going to uh, take this one by one. Let me, if I could, start with uh, with Greg. And uh, uh, Greg, I'd like you, first of all, just generally to tell us about uh, the Arkansas Senior Olympics as regards uh, cycling. Tell us about your event. 
Well, our event uh, was, uh, it's, it's here in Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, we started uh, to include uh, recumbents last year. Uh, previous to that, we've had a couple of people that had, had asked, but we never had the category before. Um, I started uh, three years ago as the executive director um, of the Arkansas Games, and so I took it over, uh, and um, cycling was my background, and so I wanted to learn how to run the cycling as it had been done for many years, and so I, I did that for the uh, first two years, and then uh, you know, I wanted to figure out a way to expand the, the games and uh, expand the events that we have. Um, so I, I've even dropped the age down to, to the age of 40 to, to begin with. So anybody 40 and up can compete. And and then I had uh, somebody, you know, beginning of last year, contact me and say, hey, what about adding recumbents of all kinds? And so uh, I did that and uh it was uh you know kind of a little bit of a learning curve for me personally um but uh we, we did add the games last year and and uh the cycling events that we have are four four events uh two time trial events a 5k and a 10k and um and then uh, two road races a 20k and a 40k road race Good. Now, um, let's get uh, a couple more specifics here. Where exactly is this held and what are the dates this year? Sure. Uh, well, this year we are right pop at- the, uh, the uh, picture up if we could, Lars, too, because I've got a, a graphic there. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I also uploaded a couple more pictures. I don't know if you found those. I or not. probably didn't get them. I'm sorry. That's OK. Uh, so I had a couple pictures from last year so that we had, but uh, I was late getting them. Sorry about that. Uh, so the events are going to be held, um, as you can see on the screen there, that, uh, that we're planning on right now the weekend of September 18th, 19th, and 20th uh, to be here in the Little Rock area, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, and right in the center of our state. Uh, and usually what we try to do, if we do if we do the same basis what we did last year, we try to do a, um, a Friday night short time trial. And then uh, wake up on Saturday morning and do the long 40K road race and then follow the afternoon by the 10K time trial. And then first thing Sunday morning, we try to knock out the 20K uh, road race and let everybody that's trying to maybe drive back home or fly back home or whatever, you know, have have all day on Sunday to get back home. All right. Trey, let's go ahead and go through some of the. We do have uh, some shots from last year that mostly I think came from Doug. We can kind of go through there where we will see uh, some of the recumbents and you're going to see some mixture of recumbents and upright bikes as well. And let's go through these. There we go. Time trial, I guess. Huh? Yep. And then, uh, yeah, so there uh, we had uh, Doug, Doug forced us to, to show these. I didn't want to. And then uh, my, my last question had to do with uh, prizes. Uh, do you have prizes? And show the last shot there. We'll see uh, an award at least. Yeah, what's the – how does that work? The, well, the, the top three right now get uh, medals. Uh, Doug is uh, donning the uh, gold medal, uh, believe it or not. Uh, yeah, it's hard to know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, you can win a, a medals from each of the events. Um, and it's based on the, your age category. 
Um, so, you know, uh, starting, like I said, we started age 40. So everything is five-year age group based. So 40 to 44, 45 to 49, 50 to 54 and so forth. So even if, you know, you, you don't necessarily, you would, if you're not in Doug's age category, then. <laughs> well, Doug is in the so forth category, I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> do, we have a decrep- do we have a decrepit category? <laughs> Greg, let me, uh, let me ask now a more, more specific question about uh, comments. I know you, you started out without having a whole lot of experience. You said you had a little learning curve. So tell us how have you decided to integrate the recumbents into the event. So some are mixed and some are separated. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on things, uh, that are going to be a little bit different this year, as we all know, because of the COVID pandemic situation that, uh, uh, you know, just even lining up for the time trial, you know, we're going to have to probably put some lines down and keeping people a little bit further separated apart because, you know, some of the, you know, that is a concern. And, and the age group that we're dealing with is is obviously we're told is, you know, uh, the, the, the higher risk category. And so uh, I'm putting things in place that will make the riders feel a little bit safer um, at the starting of the event. And, uh, you know, kind of going from there, what we can do to, to pull this this year's events off as, as well as we can. Good. And so um, how would you encourage, in what way do you, would you encourage recumbent riders around the country to uh, come to the Arkansas Senior Games and attend? What well, would you I do know that um, some of the other states have already canceled uh, for their Senior Games uh, events. They've canceled their events. And so we've already seen, uh, we've got registration open on our site, on our website right now. And uh, so I've seen several states of, of people from Colorado to Missouri, um, Mississippi, you know, that are starting to sign up that are interested in coming to our event. Um, you know, thanks and in, entail in, in to, to Jane Knight and some other people that are helping getting the word out for me because I don't have the, the full, you know, uh, list of all the recumbents around the country. But I'm, I'm jumping on board. You know, I, I've, like you said, I had a, a big learning curve and and last year was was big for me that I even got to jump into one of the actual recumbents uh, and ride it down the road and get up over 30 miles an hour. Uh, so it was a, a big thrill for me to be able to do that for the first time. So, uh, you know, I, I, I can probably could see myself doing that a little bit more than I have been. It's, it's a lot of fun. Greg, I think uh, the fact that you uh, obviously present such a friendly atmosphere to recumbents, which is not the case generally across, across the country, we'll talk about that at the end. Um, I, I think uh, you're, we've talked about the Arkansas Senior Olympics here for a while on the show. Um, Jane has brought it up uh, to us a few times, and we're always looking for uh, new venues uh, where where uh, our 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 bent riders can race and uh, you present a very friendly uh, uh, platform for that. So I wanted to thank you for that. So let's um, Doug, let's go to Doug for a second. And Doug, uh, I think at this point you could tell us uh, what was your experience last year at the Ar- Arkansas? We saw your pictures there. What was your experience at the games what, as, as a recumbent rider? Oh, it was fun. I mean, it was a, a unique experience. The, the venue is nice. The roads are great. Um, I don't know if we're going to do the same roads we did last year or not. Uh, the only issue I had with it was 
the fact that there was it was an active road, which which means that I was catching up to cars in a couple of places. So <laughs> in fact, in fact, there's a Comcast van out there that owes me about a minute on a time trial. Uh, <laughs> I paid so, him to slow you down. Did, is that what that was? Because man, he got in the way, and I could not get around him. And then when I went around him, I'm pretty sure he didn't have any idea what that was. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, the uh, but that the, you know the, the the time trial road is fantastic. I mean, it's nice. It's it's pancake flat, which is you know you know that's genuinely good hunting ground for for recumbents and velomobiles and things like that. Anyway, uh, the, the venue's well done. Uh, you know, the staying in Arkansas was fun. I, I you know this year I had planned to stay longer and go do some of the trails and some of the other ones. And so now we've got uh, I guess the the other uh, one of the rides coming up after that. So uh, look forward to to spending more time in Arkansas uh, and riding the. You have a fantastic. A set of bike trails, but also some good riding out in the countryside. Yeah, so another good, uh, another good point. Uh, you you yeah. can go for the, the Olympics, but there's lots of other places to check. Yeah, out yeah, it was, it was, it, was it seems to be a great riding area. And unlike you know this part of North Texas, it's not flat. So that's a little more interesting. A little more <laughs> interesting. Very good. All right. Uh, well, uh, Greg, if you'll stand by, let's send you uh, send Greg back for a minute, and let's bring. Uh, Andy up and let's uh, see if we can get the uh, the lowdown on the, the the Texas uh ride. There we go. Uh so Andy, tell us about uh, your uh Texas Road Racing Championship. Well, you know, you were talking about the resistance you get from traditional bike riders and you know, I thought you were talking about me. Um because we've always had a kind of resistance and roadies have a resistance to everything. So if you're on the mountain bike here, yeah, it's whatever. Now, those guys don't shave their legs. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was, I run the senior games here in Dallas. I'm not the executive director. I'm just the guy that makes it work as a race. And they said, can you do the uh, recumbents and everything? And I said, sure, why not? It's the senior games, you know, 50 and up. And if there's no real rules, except be nice to each other and yeah, fine. And, you know, the first year it went off and we, it went okay. But the last time Doug came up and actually started talking to me, which was kind of cool. And he showed his uh, Velomobile or his fully fairing. And I was just amazed. I mean, I was just slack jaw, open mouth. I mean, the speeds and the capabilities, it just amazed me. And um, I've been running the state road race in Texas now for, oh God, 15, 16, 17 years. And I'm an advocate of long loop. I don't want to see people going around a five-mile loop, you know, 20 times. So uh, 12 years ago, we made a deal with Fort Hood to let us do this for a weekend, closed course. And there are no closed courses in Texas. This is two, two and a half lanes wide, paved, not chip seal, of varied terrain. And so we've been running very successfully a two-day USAC road race with all the categories the state championship i give away 50 some jerseys uh lots of medals and all that good stuff and we have custom trophies five deep uh that we do um on good years we give away money purses the the top men's purse was five thousand dollars that sort of stuff and this year everything let's go ahead and start these uh slides going we can put that first slide up which tells that some of these details and go ahead you can continue andy i just want people to see what okay But the the idea was this year, everything was canceled. There was no bike racing in Texas, essentially, since March. And the USAC is uh, a shadow of itself. 
and we no longer have a state organization that both helped me, but also enforced rules. And Doug kind of said, what about doing some, uh, what about doing some fairing to some recumbents? And I have a hole in the schedule for the first time in forever. So I said, let's do it. We have the flexibility to do it this year. Now, you know, we're going to have some special fly. We're going to have some special uh, waivers you're going to have to sign. And we're going to have guys with the little guns up front with the, the forehead uh, temperature takers. But I'm really excited. Uh, when Doug rode the course and told me some of his exploits on the course, I was just amazed. I think the bicycling community will get the, a view first off of the fairing community and see that. But also the, the recumbents, the open recumbents who travel about the same speed as bicycles will go off on the, on the first uh, day. And that, that, that event should attract a lot of people's attention. And we have the chance to open it up to be a little bit uh, ecumenical, if you will. And so I'm excited. I really am. Andy, um, tell me, you know, when we talked, when we were setting you up, you uh, told me a little bit about the, the course and uh, Fort Hood and some of the unique uh, aspects of riding in that area and what goes on. Could, <laughs> share, yeah. could you share that story? I love that. Yeah, sure. I mean, it, it is, first of all, it's a unique venue. And they have a closed course, closed course, which they have graciously given me over the years, which is renowned. Well, on the course, you're going to go by the Iraqi village where all the people that go overseas train. And depending on the situation, you'll hear actual AK-47s and M-16s trade fire. Uh, there is a uh, Arab village that is now a Ukrainian village, the only difference being the paint job. And they have active training. The entire east end of the course is open to a live fireplace, a fire zone, if you will. And so every once in a while, especially on Saturday, you'll have some big boys, 155s, uh, come overhead. You can hear their artillery rounds go overhead, and they hit over off the course. Uh, it is also the home of the uh, attack helicopter school. And many times these guys will get out on the weekends to practice. At one of our races, they actually came in and I will say zoomed uh, a pack. Uh, they were probably 100 feet off the top of them. And then they opened up their cannon fire to the live fire course, scared the heck out of the people riding. Uh, but it was cool. And they, everybody said, how'd you manage that? And I said, I didn't. Uh, but they just do that. Uh, they will be armored uh, armored uh, uh, exercises during that weekend where the tanks will be around. They're not supposed to cover the course, but who's going to stop a tank? Um, and very often it involves live fire. Now, in one year, they uh, they would time the fire so that they wouldn't be firing over and around the uh, pack so that the shockwave wouldn't hit them. Uh, it was a rainy uh, year, so you had scenes of guys on tanks standing on the tanks applauding the racers going by. Uh, this is the, the sideshow on this race is like no other sideshow. Yeah, uh, clearly. Those of us that's with a military great. background. You know, those I, of us with a military background, it's incredible. Yeah, I, I got to um, say, if you're riding uh, in, in this and uh, you have some live fire going on behind you, you might uh, be likely to set some personal bests, I would think, yeah, under the right circumstances. So let's yeah. let's add that as a positive yeah, as well. Some so. of the people have said that they've soiled their shanties. Um, yes, that could I could the, see uh, that. <laughs> it has become it has become a uh, testing or a, uh, I don't know, a training scenario for the people that run our, our drones. The drones are above 
you can't see them. These are real military drones run by the South Dakota people. And they will be given scenario tests, like find the fourth guy in the 50 plus pack. And they have to go find you know, the number of variations to find the guy and do that sort of stuff. Um, it is a secure base on wartime. So we have that restriction. Uh, in other words, anybody that talks to you that looks like remote authority, your, your next statement is yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Um, but we've had great reception. The, the soldiers love us and, and active duty soldiers ride free period. Um, and tell but us, it's incredible. Uh, yeah. Tell us, uh, we saw the, uh, the website, uh, uh, screen grab, but so tell us the dates. It's, uh, it's September 19th which will be the day of the fairing and the uh, recumbent. Now we have two classes. One is fairing. The other one is recumbent. We're starting out that way. They're going to be timed. They're going to be scored separately. So there'll be separate awards for recumbents and separate awards for the fairing. Uh, they start the same, but obviously they're going to separate early. We'll give them moto support uh, and a SAG truck in case anything happens. Uh, but they will be the first wave of the afternoon. I know the fairing guys wanted more than one lap, but I can't have those guys running through 300 other race, racers. Very but good. One lap will be pretty cool. It, it, it sounds, sounds, yeah, it sounds like a great opportunity and a very unique race. Andy, uh, stand by right where you are. Um, uh, sure. Mars, can we bring Greg back and bring Doug in as well? I want to finish up with a quick discussion about uh, the national senior games, which we've talked about before and, and Greg kind of alluded to. So, um, you know, we've we've seen where the recumbents have been um, denied entry into many of these. And I guess uh, you guys being so open and welcoming, I, I, I'd like to have a short uh, question and answer about how you think we can encourage more states to do this, which is, I think, a precursor to get the national senior games to accept us. So what would you... What do you think is, is, the, is the key to that? Let's start with Greg. Well, what I can tell you is that um, I have talked to the national office and they tell me that um, the recumbent bikes, two wheels, uh, can enter next year's um, national senior games down in Florida. They, they did allow a few of them to come in last year in Albuquerque and uh, I guess it went okay. So they are going to just for the time trials though, for the 5k and the 10k time trial. So if you have a two wheeled recumbent bike, uh, you can go um, to, to, to the nationals. Now I am continuing to kind of toot my horn every time I talk to them. Um, I, we've been having some online chats and so forth uh, and I'm going maybe later this year um, to be able to talk to all the state uh, you know, executives and trying to encourage them also to pick up uh, recumbents and, and allowing them to race. Uh, and it's just going to take a push. I mean, you know, Jane Knight, Doug, I mean, everybody, you, whatever, whatever we can do is just keep kind of tooting our horn and saying, Hey, you know, recumbents are, you know, are all here to stay. And, and this is a growing, uh, you know, uh, event that we would like to get included in, 
the national senior games. I, I think it's possible. Um, In my estimation, nothing's going to work as, as well as uh, having someone like you or Andy that has some experience and a good experience uh, standing in front of those folks and saying, look, you can do this. It works. These guys are great. It's going to add numbers and it's going to make it a richer uh, race. Uh, do you agree with that? Andy? hundred yeah, percent. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the idea of participation brings acceptance. Uh, you know, we have, now we have gravel. When I started road riding, there was road riding. And then we yeah. got the, the evil people from mountain biking and they took away numbers. And now we've got the, uh, the, the centers of, of, of the, uh, gravel set. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on. The numbers drive it, the numbers drive it. And, and, and frankly, as a promoter, um, I want people there. I want people to enjoy myself. I want people to do safe. And, you know, I got an opportunity this year because I've got a, a window in my race day that I can bring them in. And if the other promoters in Texas see that this works, they'll do it, too, because it's about numbers. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, now, right. Yeah. The senior games are so decentralized. I run the ones in, in, in uh, uh, done by uh, 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 Texas, uh, Texas A&M. I do that one in, in College Station. And, you know, we get 50, 60, 70 guys and ladies out, and we do this in the 50-plus set. We don't allow 40s in. And, you know, Doug gets checked every time he shows up because he's got too much hair and it's all one color. But the, the, <laughs> the, uh, but the idea is, is as the various departments, recreation departments of the cities that put on the senior games start to look at, you know, the fact that we have 50 guys. Is there a way we can do 90 guys or 70 guys? Yeah, it's called free combats. They'll do it. And you get states like Arkansas, Texas, or Ohio, and some of the other states who have it, the nationals are going to say yes, too. Uh, it's all about participation. And yeah, you know, the, the natural chauvinism that bicycling seems to be, I'm trying to pick my words here right, uh, you know, that my bike is the only bike. You know, the triangle frame is the only way you can do a bicycle. Well, you know, we all know that's wrong. But if we fight the chauvinism and, you know, if those guys in recumbents, if they could see their legs, they were shaved, we, it would work. <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, we'll, well, okay, we'll take some pictures of Doug's legs and I don't know if that <laughs> would know, help I wouldn't do that. That might get the FCC on us. Doug, go ahead. <laughs> I'd like to hear your thoughts to finish up here. Oh, I get it. I get it. So you, you wouldn't know if my legs were shaved anyway because they're hiding inside the shell. Exactly. So yeah, I think, that was, right. I think that was Andy's along, point. Along with my, along with my Speedo. So there you go. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> so, uh, Doug, I guess so. I want to ask you, do you think are you optimistic that uh, that here over the next few years we may get to have that push and, and see more participation and eventually maybe even uh, a realistic uh, national senior games more than a time trial? I hope so, because, the, you know, quite honestly, the, the one of the senior games invited some of us to come to. And it was, you know, it was on time trial only a 5K and a, and, a, and, a, and a 10K. And it's like they charged full admission and then, and they didn't understand why they didn't get anybody to show up. I said, like, nobody's going to pay $80 to drive not, to ride nine miles. It's, it's just not going to happen. 
Um, and so that, that segued off into a much longer conversation about recumbents and safety and safety teams to be show up over and over again, because it's the pan, you know, it's the, it's the, 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 the pole to hang on to. It's like, well, we're concerned that they're not safe. And I said, well, yeah, but we've been arguing about disc brakes for half a decade and whether they're safe or not too. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not really a, 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 a place to put a stake anymore because we've, we've proven it over and over again that, that they're as safe, if not safer, than uh, you know standard diamond frame bikes. But I think I, I think the answer is inclusive is going to happen. We know from an industry perspective, recumbents are growing faster than almost any other market segment than e other than e-bikes. So there are more of them coming, uh, and I think that's something that will be recognized just in the sheer metrics. Uh, and and participation numbers. Absolutely. All right. Thank you, Doug. So well, I think know, we're going to go the, ahead, Andy. The issue I was going to say, safety isn't the fact that these different machines are safe. Safety is because the bicyclists aren't used to looking at uh, the traditional bicyclists aren't used to looking out about this. Oh yeah, and absolutely. And we it's don't it. know how to deal with it, and and so anything that's strange. We're going to say safety because, you know, who can argue with that? Right. And the more that you mix in with all this stuff and they yeah. see the recumbents and see that it works, it's not, it's going to become a non issue, I would think. Well, the first year we did the recumbents, you know, everybody kind of, you know, okay, fine. But Doug, you came up to me at the event and we started talking, you know, and we got flexibility in there. Let's do it. Yeah. See how it works. Let's take right. this type of, you know, I don't know, salesmanship or, just you know, talking to one another, heaven forbid. It's talking. Anyway, to actually, make his work. You know, what, what Andrew referred to is, I came up to him and I said, "Look, you probably need to just launch me first because I'm going to be on top of these guys." With, <laughs> and, and and Andy and Andy at least had the open mindedness to think that was even possible. Uh, and and I said, "Just do this. I don't need you know. I've got bright flashing lights. I'll turn them on. I'll be in this course. I'm not worried about this. Just let me go ahead of the these guys, and it will be safer for all of us." And it was. Uh, and, and I still ran across them, but you know. Uh, and then we talked to, to Chip at Hotter yeah. Howl, and we were right. going to have a Hotter Howl. Yeah, we were. 2,000 cyclists. These guys leave first. We we're going to have a real race. And the USAC said, oh, whatever. And you know, <laughs> I was going to be the chief ref of this thing. And, you know, a Hotter Howl, 60 mile loop, essentially, uh, or a 100 mile loop, I guess we we're going to do. But. It all it takes is a couple of people that people trust to talk to say, can we do this? And Doug brought it up and Chip brought it up and I said, I'll do it. And once Chip saw that I was going to do it, because I've been a friend of his for a long time and I am a somewhat respected USAC uh, official, we're going to make it work. That's where I want to leave it right there. We are <laughs> going to make it work. So thanks a lot. Uh, Andy, thank you so much. Good luck. Uh, we look forward to see what goes on in Texas. And uh, Greg, thank you so much. Uh, Arkansas led the way. And we're looking forward to seeing what you guys come up with as we go along the way and your promotion of what we do. And Doug, as always, thank you for uh, chiming in on this too, guys. Let thank me, you so much. Last moment. Last sure. moment. Let me invite you to come out to Fort Hood on the 19th. And do a I, live commentary. I'm gonna I'm gonna look to for some body armor and a helmet, and then I'm I'm gonna see if I can make it. So <laughs> thank you, Andy. Thank you. Layer of Kevlar on my velomobile. We're gonna need something, <laughs> I think. So sounds intriguing. I thank you guys very much. So thank you. all right, we'll see you. All right, guys. Let's uh, <laughs> let's finish up here with an interesting segment and ask me anything. So uh, I, I want to remind you all that the live chat is going strong. 
Please, if you have any questions about Delta trikes, about Haza trikes or Haza bikes, this is the place uh, to ask and the time to ask. So put them into the uh, live chat and we will bring them up. And in the meantime, we're going to chat a little bit about what goes on uh, in Maine, actually, in the U.S. here with Haza USA and Rad Innovations. Uh, I'd like you to meet uh, David Black and Anya Vrida. Hello, guys. Hey, Gary. How you doing? Good. Just, Thanks just, for sticking with us. Just, well, no, I appreciate that, and I appreciate being on. And um, let me remind you that Vermont has its own state. Um, oh, it's not a part of Maine. In, it's not a part of Maine. <laughs> I'm um, sorry. But... I am sorry. I, I knew that, but I, I guess I completely forgot. I don't I know, know why. I, I think well, I thought you were up north. There. I had no idea. So, we're, we're definitely uh, there. In Vermont, of course, and uh, in a beautiful spot from some of the pictures I've seen. All right, guys, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, about Haza USA. Um, but I think even before we do that, let's get real basic here because what you guys what you guys sell uh, is a kind of trike that is not the most popular out there, but it certainly serves a place, and a lot of people love them. And they are Delta trikes. Tell us uh, if you would. Uh, I guess we'll start with uh, David, or you guys can decide who answers. Uh, what a Delta trike is, how it compares to a tadpole trike, and what are the advantages? Fundamentally, yeah, I'll 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 take that. Um, so, Delta trike versus tadpole trike is one wheel in front versus two wheels in front, uh, and uh, there are a, a number of different attributes that the delta might offer that that you cannot do with a tadpole trike and haza certainly has been a leader in the industry for delta trikes uh over the last 25 years um delta trike first of all um tends to have a greater range of steering just by nature of a single wheel in the front it has a better steering radius almost to the point of where you can turn within your own circle um so that's probably the the biggest pop that comes to my mind. But then by default, we also um, uh, can couple trikes. We can drop a front wheel off and we can tandem. Uh, so we can couple one trike into another and maybe two or three or four of them. Uh, and And if a person wants to get a little extra help or ride in tandem for better communication. What's the record? What's the record? 69 in Germany. 69 that actually went somewhere. I think there have been a few more. but um, 69 attached Delta trikes in a, in a train. Uh, what yeah. did we have at the last cycle? At CycleCon, there were, yeah. I don't know, 12, 12 15? We, we had a, yeah, but it, if you remember, we were navigating quite handily through maybe 40, 50 uh, recumbent bikes overall. Right. And I don't think we knocked anybody down. But Yeah, and, and I guess have... I would add, I don't know if you're going to get there or not, and we're going to talk about this more specifically uh, a little bit later, but uh, um, I think accessibility, so yeah. adaptive needs, we're going to talk about that. But just on the very basics of a Delta trike, it is very easy to get on and off of a Delta trike as well, so as, yeah. as we're going to see. I, yeah, that, I was getting into that, where it is a bit easier to step in and out of uh, a Delta trike, and you're not, you're, you've only got the, 
the front wheel and a, and a, and a, and a, and a, and a boom to sit into or step over. Um, and a, a, a tadpole doesn't give you that. You've got to manipulate yourself, you know, right. back into the boom, what have right. you. Um, so, you know, traction is a good point, uh, depending on the model, of course. Um, there's a differential. You've got two-wheel drive on the rear. Um, you've got good stability. I mean, there are different models, just like as in tadpoles of componentry. Um, uh, so the, the coupling, um, the coupling to a, another trike, to another uh, two-wheel bike. Um, so in the adaptive inclusive world, uh, it affords us a lot of options, no matter what the ability of the individual riding uh, uh, rider's needs might be. Right. Absolutely. Um, so. All right. Well, that's probably a good point for us to maybe we can go in more detail as we look at these individual products of yours. And let's go ahead and get started, if we could, with the Trigo. Yeah. Can we can we talk so, about these one at a time? Yeah, this is a, a, a Trigo Up, which is a Delta trike with a handlebar that is up uh, into a position that might be more comfortable for people. Um, uh, and more familiar, so it's as much a state of mind as anything. The uh, the seat is adjustable uh, up and down the rail. Two quick releases, you can slide that seat forward um, and or backward, uh, and it fits a pretty broad range of of people. Anya, yeah. So okay. The, Go ahead, Anya. This is uh, also coming with a Nexus eight speed, so for people that are really not going very far. They want to ride in the city and uh, just have easy shifting. And it's a little bit of easy rider style. I think some older people like having this uh, handlebar in the front, even though it's much nicer for your shoulders to have underseat steering. Let's go to the next slide and we're going to see what that looks like. I think we've got yeah. a, there we go. So there's a Trigo with uh, underseat steering. So seems like a very comfortable position. So that's a more typical for recumbent trike, whether it's tadpole or delta. In my opinion, um, what we like, what I like about this, I, and we sell more of these than we do the upsteer, um, is that you can adjust it very easily to the range of, of of ability. Let's say somebody had a stroke, and we can put all the controls on one side or the other, and and put that handlebar, that steering lever into that that sweet spot, that easy to reach and rest the hand on position. Right. Um, so fundamentally, the bikes are the same with the exception of the steering. Right. Um, All right, let's go on to what I would consider to be, I assume you'll agree, your flagship uh, trike, and it's the Cat Diesel, right? So tell us, tell us about the Cat Diesel. Hmm. Cat Fiesel, uh is uh, an older model, uh, but constantly being improved with suspension. And it's a it's a sportier model. It's a little lower to the ground. Um, uh, it has a broader range of uh, componentry choices, uh, from uh, gearing to uh, electric assist. Uh, Trigo also has electric assist, but from a different kind of perspective. Um, so I, yeah, it, I mean, it's, I can think of a cat diesel frame as having, you know, 15 different choices within componentries, folding frame, suspension, 
uh, a, we have a Velomobile model with a, a fully enclosed uh, um, uh, fairing. Um, and uh, uh, on the catfish, it's really easy to change the seat heights. So we have a the the Hase decided not to produce the lepus anymore, like you knew it. So the lepus, what's called lepus now, is actually a cat weasel frame with a raised seat, and I can raise any cat weasel seat to that height. Uh, so if somebody's more comfortable or needs to get in and out easier, you can use a cat weasel and say, "Okay, I want the seat raised by four four and a half inches." Okay, let's go. To the, I think we have one more. Do we have another cat weasel slide? So here now, talk. This is what you were talking about earlier, David. This is uh, you can't really see the connection, but they are uh, connected. the The front wheel has been removed from that uh, re, um, the rear uh, uh, trike and uh, attached to the front. Right? Tell us how that works. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you know, one of the things I would say to Haza uh, is, you know, if you think of uh, trikes, tandems, and hand cycles uh, under that Haza bikes umbrella, uh, we have almost something that can fit anybody and every everything from adult to child. Um, so the picture we, we're looking at are two adults on two cat vessels uh and uh that are coupled together so whether it was a visual visually impaired or physically impaired individual or just as i said from tandeming um were able to uh to make a pretty good ride uh or if we want we can split them up and you've got two independently drivable trikes the, the whole process takes a couple seconds yeah. you take the front wheel off and you drop it on the tandem coupler and tighten it with a quick release and that's a couple of seconds good good okay let's go on um and uh, again continuing with uh, the adaptable uh, uh needs kinds of things or just fun uh this is a very interesting bike that uh, i know you guys have had for a while tell us about the pino okay the house of pino and this is a particularly involved picture but this is a a pinot uh with a porter rack on the underneath so it's kind of like a, a cargo bike option um but more interestingly is it's set up for a child to ride and you'll notice if anybody that's looking at the picture can see that there are two cranks on the front we have a quick connect crank for children that enables uh, us to go from child to adult in you know uh, in, in a matter of a minute um and 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 fit the same frame so i can go with a you know a, a four foot child to a six foot four adult um uh, by taking off the crank closest to the child and expending extending the boom um so that that's a really versatile bike um uh, whether it is a uh, passive rider active rider a variety of sizes, uh, and uh, and the Pinot again comes in uh, half a dozen flavors of componentry, and the frame is the same on all of them. But there are accessories and componentry to suit the need of commuter bike, uh, tour bike, uh, adapted bike. Very good. Okay, let's go on to the uh, Trets. So what's this one? Well, the Trets um, is really a sized down cat vessel, if you will, with a plus. 
Um, so it is uh, for the uh, adaptive market, special needs market. Um, what uh, it also has as part of the bundle is a drawbar, like a trailer drawbar that enables you to take off the front wheel and, and, and tow with a two-wheel bike. So the child um, can be independent uh, uh, when appropriate and able and, and, and if able, uh, or uh, it also coupled to uh, a two-wheel bike and as a, as a trailer bike, but they can pedal. So you've got brakes. And, well, here we go. Thank you. Um, so they can pedal. There's gearing. There's um, uh, a safety harness. There is... Uh, uh, not on this particular picture. There's a there's a there's a push bar. Um, there's a whole bunch of really cool stuff there with safety in mind. Uh, you'll notice that the wheels are enclosed, um, and uh, and the so David, is that is a Tret, not a great. Is that a Tretz trike with the front wheel off, and or is that a trailer separate? I, I'm not sure what we're it, looking at here. I know it it's is, got pedals. What is that? It's a Tretz. It's a Tretz trike with the front wheel taken off. And the drawbar attached. Okay, so it's not a separate product. I wasn't quite sure from that picture. That's very cool. So, so it's, the, yeah. The two pictures are different because this trade is the 2020 trade. It's a new uh, development within Hase. So it's a new trike which has the basis of the Trigo frame. So all Trigo accessories fit on the new trades as well. Um, Here's a question, so, if we can, um, about connecting Haza bike in tandem. Can you take just the frame with the two wheels, connect in tandem, and use it as a trailer, use it a trailer slash RV with some modifications? Maybe use well, it. Yeah, go ahead. Do you know? I'm not I sure what that last use, part meant. Yeah, I, I, what I'm hearing is the person wants to use a trike as a trailer. Which you I just guess. do with the trets, and you could do that sort yeah. of. Yeah, you. Well, it is, in other words, without the pedal kind of situation, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not clear about the question. I yeah, have to say. Uh, yeah, Dusty, if you can clear that up for us, we can uh, and and shoot it back here into the chat. Maybe we can answer that a little better. But okay, um, guys, let's uh, let's start wrapping this up here. I want to. I don't want to leave without talking more specifically about all of the adaptive technology that you guys uh, do. It's just wonderful work. And uh, whoever, David, maybe uh, tell us, if you can, briefly about uh, your adaptive technology work. Th uh, thanks, Gary. Um, yeah, that's actually what pulled me into the industry in 1999 is the uh, need to come up with other solutions for adaptive, inclusive mobility, um, and and then over in, in a short course of time, uh, I connected with Haza and, and and Anya as part of Haza uh, today. Um, probably is the number one adaptive, inclusive bicycle producer in the in the world. Um, that uh, from from just the, the oh, how to think of it, um, as a platform of a product that we can fit 
the broadest range of individuals to um, here's uh, uh, this will fit right into what you're talking sorry to interrupt so um gork 57 uh greg uh, uh, out in colorado is saying how's the adaptability accessories work for tadpoles too i use crank shortener a uh, crank shortener that works very well so that uh, that kind of fits in with what you're saying huh yeah so we have a uh Haza has a basically a, a box of tricks uh, a suitcase that has cranks and fittings for virtually any bike uh, that can help individuals best fit uh, and and get best range of motion um, on, on their bike. Um, and we do have, uh, we sell a lot of those kits, we sell a lot of those parts to uh, other bike shops and to other uh, individuals that are looking for that, that, that compensation of of best range of motion to the good side and compensation to the 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 weaker side. Right, and um, and along and, with the and along with the dealers that uh, use your products to help uh, adapted needs folks, uh, you work with uh, organizations as well, do you not? We do uh, quite a bit. Uh, we support the Veterans Administration quite strongly uh, through dealers and. And directly, um, we've got some really good partners out there, Adaptive Adventures out in Colorado. Um, uh, and and every, every dealer that has that knowledge base that uh, is close to a VA center um, has been, you know, a great localized support. Um, but we also work with uh, adaptive, inclusive recreation centers that, are, that might have a fleet of product uh where that fitting can be easily accomplished and and um and 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 to that point any bicycle dealer that has somebody that walks in that door that they need a fitting for we are available to help in in whatever way we can come up with so um yeah uh the, the recreation mobility um and, that all uh, yeah that yeah. all fits right into what you do uh here's the clarification oh wait here that wasn't it uh is this it what i mean is that uh whether has a frame uh be converted to a trailer because of its easy hookup to the bike it has the potential to modify something like a bike rv oh so using it using something like a uh, the the attachment yeah. as a, a rear trailer they can use for maybe camping and that kind of thing. Maybe that's what he's talking okay, about. Okay, to that, yeah, I guess that's all right. Okay, think about those. If lines I got the question right, I think it's a matter of it doesn't have to be a bike that we're pulling. It can be uh, a trailer, and there's there's a ton of trailers out there that can that can connect. If you think of a fork dropping into that coupler, you know, pull away um, with safety, right. please. Absolutely. Um, yeah. We have uh, Barry New saying, I have a, a Lepus Steps and a, a Ket Wiesel Evo. Great trike. So he's he's a fan there, sounds like, Barry. Thank, Thank you, Barry. Thank you, Barry. <laughs> All right. I, guys, I think we're going to probably have to leave it there for now. Uh, we hope to be working together soon for maybe yeah. a Bent Expo video where we're going to delve very deeply into your products and what else it is that you do. But I'm so glad that you uh, took the opportunity to come on the Laidback Bike Report. You spent a little time getting everything set up. I appreciate that. Uh, so thanks, uh, David and Anya. Any final thoughts? 
you know, I will thank you for, you know, being out there and, and spreading the word, Gary. And, you know, I've known you for a couple of years now. What I can tell you um, of what we have seen to the point of COVID, which has been mentioned a couple of times, a incredible surge of individuals looking to be outside, more active. Trikes are, are definitely a part of that. Uh, um, and, and, and physiotherapists not being available. People are looking at getting on outdoor bike recreation at a higher level than we've, we've, than we've seen in previous years. Yeah, so no I, doubt. I, we've, yeah, we've talked to plenty of retailers and manufacturers too right now in the recumbent world, and they echo just what you guys are saying. And it is, it's like uh, it's 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 guns are blaring and it's full speed ahead right now. So, um, and, yeah, there's always and, good and bad to everything, I guess. Go ahead, David. And and one other point of it is is this way in which we are communicating. We've all had these iPhone devices and FaceTimes and so on, but it's been kind of an informal interaction and way of communicating, and is becoming a a daily, uh, you know, whether it's a a demo ride or a ride assessment or or repair. Or repair. So I think that the more you do these kinds of things and enable people to realize that this format, and there are a variety of formats, uh, the more people will get the more information. Yeah, it's becoming well, an everyday you. way of doing things, isn't it? So sure. Thank you guys very much, too. Uh, hopefully we will hopefully see you maybe at CycleCon this year if it all comes together. So we look we forward are- to the next time. So we are available. Thank you very much. Uh, all right. Yes. Uh, so David, Anya, thank you so much, guys. You take care. We'll talk again soon. Stay in touch. All right, folks, let's talk about the sponsors of the laid back bike report. Now, first of all, it is TerraCycle from fairings to headrests, whatever accessory you need, Pat and crew have you covered and trailside.bike. If you find yourself in Florida, near the Withlacoochee Trail, stop in to see Andrew and his crew. And Cruise Bike, their patented race and record-proven front-wheel drive geometry changes the rules of cycling. Now, comfort doesn't come at the cost of performance. But fair warning, your cheeks may hurt from smiling. And Terratrike the host of the Virtual Rider Fest. For details, go to terratrike.com slash riderfest or Terratrike Facebook page. Ride what you like and join us for the Virtual Rider Fest. So yeah, the last ride actually is coming up uh, next Saturday, guys. So do that and uh, stay tuned for next Sunday when we do the uh, drawing for the uh, trike from uh, Terratrike on the Rider Fest. And lastly, the Hostel Shop. Established in 1974, the Hostel Shop leads the way in providing recumbent bikes and trikes to cyclists across the nation. With over four decades of industry knowledge and cycling experience, we're more than just another bike shop. All right, guys, let's finish up with... uh, Telling you what we got coming up next week. I, I uh, told you a little bit about uh, what's coming up. The main uh, the main featured guest will be Lonnie Morris uh, from the Oregon uh, Human Powered Vehicle 
a group. Uh, I had a chance to meet uh, Lonnie uh, last year when we were out in Portland, and it's an amazing guy. I've known of him for many years. Uh, I think you'll enjoy uh, seeing what Lonnie has to say. They were involved in a lot of innovations in uh, early recumbent uh, riding and building uh, back uh, uh, last century. And so uh, we look forward to sharing uh, what he's got to say with uh, all of you guys. And back by popular demand, our buddy Marco Ruga from Italy. He was on uh, he was on a few weeks ago and uh, people just loved him. He's an interesting guy, uh, a great uh, builder of unusual and fast uh, recumbent bikes. And he's got a lot to say about the uh, biking culture, recumbent culture in Italy and around Europe. So we're going to talk to him about that. The craziness of riding bent in Italy with uh, Marco Ruga uh, next week. And of course, as I mentioned, Terra Trikes Rider Fest drawing for the, a free uh, trike. So uh, don't miss that. That will be uh, that will be next week, uh, June twenty uh, eighth at two p.m. Eastern time. All right, Bent Expo. The videos continue uh, to be posted. We just posted the cruise bike one um, a few days ago, doing very well. Uh, Maria Parker uh, telling all about uh, their products. Uh, I think are a great way to learn about what cruise bike does. So that's available uh, on our YouTube channel. And then uh, in the queue, we've got uh, TerraCycle and Haza uh, that we just talked about and uh, and Catrike as well coming up. So we hope you will uh, look forward to uh, to watching those when they come out. Now, how can you support the Laidback Bike Report? Please like us on Facebook, subscribe to that YouTube channel, and learn more by clicking in the little white eye up in the upper uh, right-hand corner that you see there. Uh, it'll take you to our website, and you can learn a lot more about the laid-back bike report and our past shows and such. And also, please uh, join our Patreon patrons by supporting us with uh, as little as a dollar a month. And uh, among other things, you can become part of the background of the lead back by report. All these guys are there. So uh, we would love to be able to put you up on the, the board there. So um, thank you to all of our Patreon patrons uh, up to now. We want to thank um, Brian Ball and uh, Bent Ryder for the promotional support that they always give us. And Larry, who's not with us today, but we sure thank them for that. And thank all of our um, our panelists. Guys, come on back up here. Thank you so much for your hard work, uh, making the show go nice and smoothly, <clears throat> like it does 97% of the time. And uh, Doug, especially thanks to you for uh, hopping on, helping out today on uh, a couple of those segments, uh, lending your expertise. Appreciate it, pal. Anytime. Uh, you guys uh, and and these guys work so hard, and you know we've been doing the shows um, every week since March. A lot of extra work goes into that for all these guys, so we appreciate that. We're gonna, as I said, have a show next week, and then we're gonna go the second week in July, and then my intention is to go back to our um, our monthly reports, although we may throw uh, one or two in between. But uh, so that will be the schedule coming up, so that you guys know about that. So thanks to my uh, wonderful crew. Uh, most of all, thanks to all of you for uh, for watching the Laidback Bike Report today and always. And so until our next webcast, from all of us here at the Laidback Bike Report, so long, Bent Riders.